Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text is the Gospel from Matthew 3. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, really? I mean, really? Do you see him? He's dressed like an Old Testament prophet, like Elijah, to be precise, and it's not even Halloween. That's over. And what is he wearing? He dons an itchy and scratchy camel hair suit coat. And what does he eat? Locusts. What's that? Could it be the leg of a locust protruding from his crooked front teeth? And what in the world is that yellowish, gooey stuff staining his chin and fingers? No, it's not locust guts. It's honey. His lips, his cheeks, his neck and forearms are full of bee stings. His hair, a matted mess. Hasn't combed, shaved, bathed in months, maybe even years. He's a wild, unkempt, untamable man, this preacher named John. He's like a raging bull in a church china shop. Now, how in the world did this preacher slip through the cracks? Who let John be a preacher? Well, God did. To be a voice crying in the wilderness that cries out, Repent, prepare the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. How do you spell that in the Bible? It's spelled R-E-P-E-N-T. He even proclaimed, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yes, that's right. The preacher named John, he dared to go there. The heads of the view, oh, I can just see the heads of the view. And the heads of the former Twitterverse, they're just exploding at this point. Because in their opinion, John has committed the most unforgivable social justice hate crime against humanity. John has broken the Respect for Humanity Act. Oh, the righteous indignation of Joy Behar, Sonny Hostin, and Whoopi Goldberg. Deplatform John. Debank John. He's a threat to democracy because John dared to speak the denigrating slur that can never be spoken. John audaciously and unapologetically let the forbidden R slur verb fly out of his mouth. It hurts, it insults, it rubs the wrong way, and it offends the old Adam. Just as it is today, so it was back then. The call to repent or the call for a sinner to be in repentance is forbidden from being preached in the church. Why is that? I'll tell you why. But because it makes the old Adam's ears bleed. It makes his feet stomp, his fists are clenched, and his teeth are grinding. If a preacher calls sinners to repentance, you know what that means? That means that the old Adam must die so that a new man, spelled F-A-I-T-H, will live from our Lord's forgiveness, life, and salvation. Repentance means an entirely new way of living, living off of, mooching off of Messiah Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Now, who in the world wants that when your old Adam is so comfy, cozy, and secure in his sin? Repent? Turn from sin? Die to sin and then turn to Jesus the Messiah for forgiveness bear fruit in keeping with repentance yep 
This is the unique preaching task of every preacher in the church, just like John the Baptist. Repent, John preaches. Why? He says, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus is here. The king is here. Messiah has arrived. And he would repent you, faith you, and lead you in holy living. This is why God sends John. And for that, John baptizes. He does a washing with water for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. And they were baptized by him, the text says, confessing their, did you catch that? Confessing their, <laughs> their sins. This is how John prepares the people in his day for the, for the arrival of the Messiah named Jesus. He hears their confession of sin and he baptizes them. This is how a person prepares the way for the Lord and makes his path straight. You confess your sins and you receive a baptism in the Jordan. Do you get it? Good. Now, it is worth noting at this point that in the Old Testament, you confessed your sins to the priests and you brought your sacrificial animal whose blood was shed in your place. Read Leviticus for that. But now John... John brings a new way, a washing with water and the promise of God to forgive you. Now, you can imagine that such a preacher dressed like Elijah with a desert diet of locusts and wild honey and who dares to speak the banned and outlawed our, our slur verb would get the attention of the, yes, that's right, the religious bigwigs. <coughs> And he does. The highfalutin Pharisees and the muckety-muck Sadducees, they're watching him carefully. And John goes after these better-than-everybody-else types who thought they were in like Flynn because they, because they kept the rules. And they claimed that they had Abraham as their father via Ancestry.com. They were intrigued, of course, by John's baptism, but they wanted absolutely nothing to do with his call to... Repentance. The scandalous and outrageous R verb did not apply to them, ever. They didn't need to. <clears throat> Repent. Ever. So they thought. After all, they were the religious highbrows and the keepers of the law, the tithers, the proper dieters, the pure, the holy. They were not like all those hayseed, redneck, white trash sinners flocking around John. John the Baptist would have none of this. Like all faithful preachers, he minces no words. He doesn't care if anybody's offended or if their feelings get hurt. He calls a spade a spade. He dubs them, did you catch it, a brood of what? A brood of vipers, a bunch of wicked snakes. He urges them to repent not only with their lips, but also with their lives when he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. John's preaching still applies to this day. Now I know, I know, John's appearance and his body odor are sure hard to ignore. But you have to close your eyes and pinch your nose and get your fingers out of your ears and listen. Repent, John says. In other words, drop dead to yourself and to your sin and arise out of your baptism a new creation in Christ, a faither. John would say, just like he said in the text, repent, 
Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He would urge the unbaptized to baptism. And the baptized, he would urge for what? The confession of sin, faith in Jesus, and holy living according to God's word. That's bearing fruit. And if any of you here today, if you would, in John's presence, if you would dare to wave your LCMS credentials about how you've been an LCMSer all your life, or that someday, a long time ago, you gave your heart or life to Jesus, or that you did this, or that you did some other thing, John would say, repent, you brood of vipers. If you started in John's presence to brag about your works, and all that the progress that you think you're making in walking the walk, John would say, that's not good enough. Repent. He calls all of us to repent of our comfortable complacency, our convenient spirituality, our having better words than the Lord on everything, just name it. He calls us all to repent from pointing and prodding at the tiny speck in the eye of somebody else, but purposely neglecting to notice the two-by-twelve poking out of our own eye. John reminds all of us about the urgency of the end of time, how the axe is already laid to the root of the tree, and how fruitless trees will be cut down and burned in the fire. Now, just in case you were wondering, maybe you were, I don't know, but I'll take the chance that you were. Maybe you were wondering what the fruits of repentance look like. John would tell you, and if you want to, you can look at it in Luke's gospel. He says, if you've got two coats, Share one with some, somebody who doesn't have one. If you've got more food than you need, share it with those who are hungry. In other words, John would point to the Ten Commandments and say, you know, this is what the fruit of repentance looks like. To fear, love, and trust in God above all things. To honor his name. To hear his word in worship. To honor parents and authorities. To help your neighbor in his physical needs. To live sexually pure lives. To help your neighbor protect his property and reputation and to be content with what God has given you. John would be clear to remind all of us that these are the fruits of repentance. In other words, this is what happens when God's word has its way with us. Repentance is confessing our sin no matter how good we think we are. Admitting that even our best works are shot through with sin and covered with the greasy fingerprints of our old sinful Adam. John, listen carefully now, John would turn you from yourself to who? To the Lord Jesus Christ. You must decrease, Jesus must increase. Jesus is the one to watch for, hope for, wait, and expect. His, our Lord's, is the Good Friday death that alone saves you. His is the only life that brings you perfection and holiness before God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and yours as well. So trust Jesus and not yourself. Now, in addition, John, if he were standing here today, he would remind all of us of our baptism. He was, after all, John the baptizer. He reminds all of us that you are privileged to have received the greater baptism from the greater one, the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been baptized into the death of Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. And having been baptized, you are now clothed with Jesus, his seamless robe of righteousness, not the camel hair of the wilderness, but a garment of perfection now covers all of your sin and all of its shame 
And in your baptism, you are now wrapped in a wedding suit for the endless wedding party of the Lamb in his kingdom. Your wilderness food, oh, it's not locusts and wild honey, but rather living bread come down from heaven to feed you with his own body. Wine from heaven, your drink, the life given in our Lord's blood who died for you and was raised that you might live in him and he in you. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you realize this, but it's true. The Lord's Supper is your wilderness food that will keep you as the manna kept the Israelites until the day you will set foot in the promised land of the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. In addition, John warns all of us that the winnowing fork stands ready in our Lord's hand, the cross that winnows faith and unbelief, ready to gather the faithful wheat into his barn and then pitch the unbelieving chaff into eternal fire. John reminds us all that we may never presume in smug security, but we must cling in repentant faith to the promise of mercy given in the Lord Jesus Christ all of our lives, constantly and continually using Jesus as our mediator and redeemer. Brothers and sisters, what great joy that Jesus, listen carefully, that Jesus on the cross in our place and for our salvation experienced the acts of God's judgment. That was laid on him, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. So for you, brothers and sisters, Jesus, the fruitful branch of David's family tree, he bore all your sins and was treated in your place as the fruitless tree. Bearing all of your sin in his crucified body, Jesus was the one that got cut down, cursed, thrown into the fire of God's wrath because of your sin. Why? In order to save you from the coming wrath on the last day. The kingdom of heaven, which you now have by faith, will soon be seen with your eyes. And then, as Isaiah prophesied, the wolf, the lamb, the leopard, the goat, the cow, the bear, the carnivore, and the herbivore will live together without harming each other, where a tiny child is safe, playing with a cobra. This is the peaceable coming kingdom of King David's greater son, the branch of Jesse's root, your savior, Jesus. And that will take place when he returns in glory on the last day. And so John the Baptist's message is the same today as it was thousands of years ago. Repent, confess your sins, be baptized, and believe because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It came hiddenly at Bethlehem and the cross. It comes hiddenly in word and sacrament today. And it's coming soon for all eyes to see on the last day. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. We can hardly wait. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>